I want to talk to you for a few minutes about uh, your decision making. Okay, so would you just, for a moment, I know it's been crazy, I know we've had a ton of fun, I know you've got a long ride home, many of you, uh, but I want to talk to you for a moment about your decision making when it comes to God speaking to you. So I'm not, I'm not going to preach on any particular topic, like I'm not going to talk about uh, any topic. I'm just going to talk about decision making when God tells you to do something. It's really, really general, but it's not going to be general when we get to the end of the message, okay? Because at the end of the message, I know this about the Lord. Here's what I know. I know that as I preach this message, God is going to tell you something. He's going to show you something in your life that applies to this message. And you're going to have an opportunity to say yes or no. Now, here's the thing. Yes doesn't always mean yes. And no doesn't always mean no. And there's a passage in the Bible that is so, so good for us to understand that yes doesn't always mean yes. And no doesn't always mean no. And I want you to understand the difference. Because when you say yes to the Lord today, I want it to be a real yes. And I don't want anyone to say no to the Lord, but some of you already have. Some of you have already said no to the Lord, and I'm going to give you an opportunity this service. It's not going to be long. But I'm going to give you an opportunity this service to say yes to God. Because you still can. So, yes, what kind of yes is a real yes? And those of you that have already said no, don't, don't, just, just for a moment, listen to what I say. Because I'm going to give you a chance to change your mind. I think you'll be glad that you did. Okay, so you have your Bible with you. Even if it's on your phone, wherever you can look at it, open your Bible right now. Matthew chapter 21. Everybody, if you don't have a Bible, then look on with somebody because I want you to see the Word of God. Matthew chapter number 21. By the way, se several of you have come to me uh, in the lobby or in the back of the auditorium, and you've told me, hey, uh, Brother Kurt, I listen to your podcast, and thank you for doing that, by the way. I do have a daily podcast, Monday through Friday. It's called Everyday Truth, and here's what we do. We just take about 15 minutes every day, and we go through the Bible. Okay, so here's the thing. Most of you, if statistics are right, most of you struggle reading your Bible every day. By the way, that's true of your parents, too. That's not just true of teenagers. Most people struggle reading their Bible every day. Here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. Get on the podcast and just listen. 15 minutes every day, we're going to go through a passage of Scripture. We're going to read it. We're going to explain it. And then you're going to move on. Many people listen on their way to work or their way to school. Some people listen as they're exercising or getting ready in the morning. But whenever you listen, it doesn't really make a difference. Just try it. It's called Everyday Truth, or you can go to KurtSkelly.com. I would love to have you be part of our Everyday Truth family. And honestly, I would love that. Several of you have said something to me, and I appreciate that. Matthew chapter 21 in your Bible uh, this afternoon. Uh, look, if you would, at verse number 28. Okay, Matthew chapter 21. And I want you to keep your Bible open, and let's, let's, let's talk about uh, a yes that doesn't always mean yes, and a no that doesn't always mean no. Look at it. Matthew chapter 21 and verse number 28, where the Bible says, but what think ye? Now stop for a moment. That was often the way Jesus taught. You know, uh, uh, in modern day preaching and teaching, usually it's just one guy 
or one girl in a Sunday school class just talking for 45 minutes. I'm not against that. I'm doing that right now. And certainly that can be beneficial. But understand that that was not the way that Jesus taught. The way that Jesus typically taught is he'd be in a smaller group. Now, he spoke to big crowds, don't get me wrong, but he would often ask people questions and wait for their answers. You know why? Because when I ask you a question, it forces you to think. When I ask you something, it forces you to think, well, well I don't know. I, well, well, I don't know. So here's what Jesus said. I want to tell you a story. Okay, we all like stories. So I'm going to tell you a story, and I want you to tell me what do you think. Tell me your opinion about the story. So we all have an opinion, right? So I'm going to read a story, and I'm going to ask you a question. What do you think about it? What do you think about it? Okay, look, look at the story here in verse number 28. He says, what think ye? Okay, a certain man had two sons. Maybe that's your family. That, that was my family growing up. It was Stephen and Kurt. So my older brother's name is Stephen, one year older. This was a family with two sons. So I resonate with this story. So a certain uh, man had two sons, kind of like the, 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 uh, the, the prodigal son and the elder brother, right? Two sons. So a certain man had two sons, and he came to the first, probably the oldest son, and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. That's not not hard to understand. Son, I've got a job for you to do. In modern vernacular, maybe your parents say, hey, son, clean your room. Or son, take out the trash. Or son, get your chores done. Or daughter, whatever, right? That's what parents do. Sometimes they remind us of our responsibility. No problem so far. Watch what happens in verse number 29. He answered and said, I will not. So just try that. Let's just do a test case. When you go home tonight and your parents tell you to do something, well, hey, go to bed. Just, no, I will not. And give them a little, ad, put your chin out, right? Yeah. Uh, it's time to get up. I will not, right? So he gives a negative response. Look, look at verse number 29 again. He said, I will not, but afterward he repented. And what that simply means is, you know, he thought about it. And he changed his mind, because that's what repentance is. It's a change of mind that leads to a change of action. So he repented, and then watch what he did. Verse 29, he repented and went. So whatever the job, go work in my vineyard. No, no, I'm not going to do it. No doubt dad was upset. No doubt he had an attitude. But, but afterward, was it 15 minutes? Was it a half hour? Was it an hour? Was it four hours later? We don't know. But afterward, he changed his mind, thought about it. And that was wrong. That's my dad. That's my responsibility. I feel guilty. And he went and did what he said he wouldn't do. So no wasn't really no. Because no became yes. Right? Now look at verse number 30. And he came to the second, dad did. And uh, he said likewise. So that means he said the exact same thing. So what had he said to the first son? He said, go work today in my vineyard. So to the second son, he said the exact same thing. Do you know that God says the exact same thing to all of us today? He says, go work today in my vineyard. That, that's, God, that's God's plan for every one of you. That he wants you as his child to work for him. That's God's plan for all of us. So he goes to the second son and says, son, go work today in my vineyard. Now watch what the second son says. Verse number uh, 30. Verse number 30. And he answered and said, I go, sir. Wow. But that's the right answer. We, we would say today, hey, son, get to work. Yes, sir. 
We would teach our uh, children growing up. We have four, four children. They're all grown. My oldest son is 32. So, yeah, they're grown. And um, then we have six grandchildren. So 32, 29, 28, 26. Those are my four children. But growing up, three sons and a daughter, we would teach them, hey, if an authority figure in your life who is male tells you what to do, you say, yes, sir. If an authority figure in your life who's a female tells you what to do, then you say, yes, ma'am. That's just respectful. So this man comes to this son and says, son, go work today in my vineyard. He said, yes, sir. That's a good answer. But watch what happens. He said, I go, sir, but he went not. Now remember, how did Jesus start this little story, this little parable? He started the story by saying, okay, what do you think about this? So, so far, he's not explaining it. He's just telling this short little story. And when he finishes the story, watch what happens in verse number 31. Whether of them twain, which of these two? That's the way we'd say it today. Whether of them twain did the will of his father. Now, if I were not to have explained that story, if I were just to read that scripture to you and say to you, okay, which one of these sons obeyed his dad? I don't think there's even one person. I don't think there's even one person in this room that would get the answer wrong. I think all of you would get the answer right. I think you would all say, well, you know, the first guy shouldn't have been disrespectful. And the first guy shouldn't have said no. And the first guy shouldn't have delayed. But, but after all, he did go and work and got the job done. And the second guy, even though he was respectful, and the second guy, although he said the right thing, the second guy never went. So I would say the first. And I think every single person in this room would agree with that. Look, look at verse number 31. They say unto him, the first. And then Jesus gave his message. So I want to talk to you for just the next maybe 30 minutes on this topic. The third response. The third response. You say, all right, Kurt, what do you mean? The third response. We saw the first response, son number one. We saw the second response, son number two. Well, well what's this third response? No, the third response is your response. The third response is the decision you're going to make. Because the simple fact of the matter is, when this service is over, you're sitting all the way over here on the side or up in the balcony, I'm telling you, God knows where you are. And God's got this message for you. And you might think, feel like you're just lost in a big audience, but you're not lost in a big audience. Understand that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And God has a will for you, and God is in the business of giving you His Word so that you'll obey Him. And so you must make a decision today. Is it yes or real yes? Or is it no? And I want to give you an opportunity to change your mind if it is. So the third response is your response. And Lord, I pray just now for every teenager in this room. Lord, some don't even know you yet as personal Savior. Oh God, today, I pray that today they would get saved. Lord, I pray that today they would say yes to Christ in every real way. Lord, there are some right now that have said to you no in a series of decisions. They've been saying no. So, some don't even know why they came today. Honestly, they, they're here, they've had fun, but now it's the service time and some are already zoning out perhaps. Lord, oh God, I pray that you would just keep their attention. Lord, I pray that those that have consistently said no to you would reconsider. And Lord, may today be the day when no becomes yes. 
And then, Lord, for these youth workers and these pastors and youth pastors and these uh, godly church members that have worked so hard to make this place and this event a success, Lord, I pray that they would not exempt themselves from this message. Lord, I pray that every one of us, including me, God, would think long and hard about what you've told us in your word. And may our third response, may our personal response today be all that it should be. Please, God, do the work on the inside of every life that I cannot do. Please bless this message, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Look, please, if you would, back at Matthew chapter 21 and verse 28. I'm going to ask you to listen on purpose. And I want to walk through this in a way that everybody understands it. Whether you're in seventh grade, whether you're a brand new Christian, or whether you've been saved for many, many years. I want this to be very understandable because I'm going to ask you to make a decision at the end of this message. Every one of you. If you're sitting in the room, I'm going to ask every one of you to make a decision. But the decision will mean nothing if you don't understand the message itself. Okay, so just understand where I'm going. Okay, so let's look, first of all, at what I'll call response number one. You've got your Bible open. Look at it. Response number one. Would you look at it? Verse number 28. Response number one. Well, what think ye, says Jesus? A certain man had two sons. Now, who is the man in the parable? Well, the man is God. In the parable, the man represents God. And in the parable, the sons represent every one of us. Because every single person in this room is either going to choose to obey God or choose not to obey God. Everybody. So there are no exceptions. Now, girls, I know you're thinking, well, there are two sons. It's just an illustration. Okay? It means you too. Okay? So every single person in this room is in this message. We have God. By the way, he's here. He is everywhere present. God is in this very room. And so we know that God, and by the way, when God's word is open, and when God's word is read, this is God speaking. This is not Kurt Skelly speaking. When I read the word of God, this is the word of God. And so understand that God is the man in the story, have represented. And you are one of these two sons. So look at the first one, the first response, where the Bible says in verse 28, and he came to the first and said, son... Go work today in my vineyard. Now, I know you look at that and say, that's an easy statement. Son, go work today in my vineyard. All easy words to understand. Work in the field. Everyone gets it. Okay, but there's a whole lot more going on in this verse than you think. Okay, first of all, think about this. Son, son, how does the father approach the child? He approaches the child, watch this, relationally. Can you guys see me okay if I go down here, balcony? Okay, so relationally, a son. You know how God approaches you? God approaches you relationally. He comes to you and says, you are my child. Now let me ask you a question. How do you become a child of God? You become a child of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Sometimes we sing these, sometimes the world sings songs like, well, we're all God's children. Do you know that we're not all God's children? You know that, right? Now, we're all God's creation. Every single human being who's ever lived is a creation of God. God is creator. You are the created one. Okay? But not every single person who has ever lived is one of God's children. Matter of fact, the minority of people that live are God's children. We are children by faith in Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you a question tonight. Does this statement even mean anything to you? Can God come to you today and say, son... Can God come to you young ladies this afternoon and say, daughter? 
Has there been a time and a place in your life when you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Not in some kind of one, two, three, repeat after me way, by the way, but where you are aware of who God is and aware of what Christ did and aware of what your sinful condition is and, and repentance and faith. You said, oh, God save me. Has there been that place in your life? Because he comes to a son by virtue of the relationship. Now, does God have a right to come to you by virtue of relationship? Does a dad, especially a good dad, have the prerogative to tell a son what to do? And the answer is yes. Let's practice saying that word. Ready? Ready? Yes. Your father has every prerogative to tell you what to do. Okay? He has every prerogative to tell you where to go. Why? Because he's God. He is the father and I am not. And so he comes to the child by way of relationship. So I think there's two things at play. Number one, there's authority. Do you know that God has authority in your life? God has, and I know what you're thinking. You say, well, you know, Pastor Kelly, I've got a dad, and he's not a very good dad. Well, welcome to the club. I had a dad who left our family when I was four years, four years of age because my mother found out he was cheating at work with another woman. And my mother actually gave him another chance and said, you can choose to leave her and stay with us and the boys. And my dad looked at my mom and said, no, I want, to, I want her. And my dad packed his suitcase. And I remember this. As a four-year-old boy, I remember this. And he packed his suitcase and went out. He said, well, I'm not going to obey God because I've never had a good father figure. Well, listen, God's not like your dad. Now, some of you have some great dads, and, and they're, they're godly men, and thank God for that. But what I'm saying is, you have a loving, heavenly Father that's never done you wrong. Matter of fact, when you weren't looking for Him, He was looking for you. And God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. I mean, God gave His best for you. What are you giving to Him? God has every prerogative to use His authority to say, do what I want you to do. But you know, that's a shallow Christianity that just obeys God because we have to. It's a shallow Christianity that says, well, I guess I got to go work today in the vineyard because dad told me to. No, Christianity is more than just I've got to do this, got to go to church, got to serve God. No, it's not got to, it's get to. Because more than authority, there ought to be affection. There ought to be affection in your heart to say, my father loves me, and I was on my way to hell, and uh, God saved me, and he, saved, he gave his best for me, and God has a plan for me, and one day he'll make all things new, and forever, and forever, and forever, I'm going to live for him. Hey, it just makes sense. I love him. I want to serve him. That ought to be our attitude. And so when the father comes to this first son and says, son, boy, there's a whole lot in there. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are ye the sons of God. Listen, you understand? You are God's child. Act like it. That's the point. And so, son, it's relationship. But not only do I see relationship in this first response, look at this statement again. Son, watch this, go work today in my vineyard. Go work today in my vineyard. So there's relationship. Number two, there's responsibility. You can't escape it. You cannot escape responsibility in your Christian life. Now, we live in an irresponsible age. And if your parents give you responsibilities, they're good parents. 
If you live in a situation where you have chores and uh, you have, uh, you, you have uh, uh, guidelines or regulations, that's a good parent. Why? Because responsibility is a good thing. So what did, what did the father say? He said, go work today in my vineyard. That, that's responsibility because work is a matter of action, not intention. Did you hear that? Obedience is a matter of action, not intention. How do we obey God? We don't obey. This is not obeying God. Ready? Watch this. This is not obeying God. Just as I am. Oh, Lord, I'm just going to change. I'm going to be different. Lord, I'm so sorry. No, that, that's a good starting place, but that's not obedience. Right. That's like saying yes. And But we're good at saying yes to sermons. We're good at saying yes to Bible studies. It's good. But what happens is we get up from those yes places and go back and our lives never change. Right. Understand that obedience is not what you say. Obedience is not agreement. Obedience is not, uh, not intention. Obedience is action. That's real obedience. So go work. That's action today. So obedience is not only a matter of action, not intention, but obedience number two is a matter of now, not later. Go work today. Do you know that God puts time stamps on his messages? He puts time stamps. You know why? Because the big game we play with God is, Lord, I agree, and I'm gonna. I'm gonna, Lord, I'm gonna. There's not a person in this room that's not gonna serve God. You're gonna. Now, you're not now. You don't read your Bible now, but you're gonna. You don't have a secret time alone with God in prayer now, but you're gonna. You're not a good witness and tell people about Christ now, but you're gonna. You don't live a pure life now, but you're, but you're gonna. You haven't given up pornography yet, but you're gonna. Right? We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna. And what we tell ourselves is we're gonna, and we kick the can down the road, and we kick the can down the road until there is no more road. I'm telling you, I deal with people in my office all the time. They're 30 years old, they're 40 years old, they're 50 years old, and they're still going to do the things that God told them way back at teen camp 30 years ago. And obedience is not a matter of later. It's a matter of right now. Go work. Action, not intention. Today, now, not later, in my vineyard. You need to be far more concerned about what God wants you to do than what you want to do. Now listen, if you'll put God's will first, God will change your will. And you'll want what He wants. That's a wonder, that's a sweet spot to be. To be in the middle of God's will, wanting what He wants, that's a great place to be. I don't work a day in my life. You know why? Because I, I, I love what I do. I love telling people about Jesus. I love preaching the Word of God. I love pastoring a church. I love doing what I do. I love being in the middle of God's will, and you can love it too. Why? Because obedience is a matter of stewardship, not ownership. Well, if my parents would just get off my back, if I could just make my own choices, if I could just chase my own dreams, that's the worst thing that could happen to you. No, I delight to do thy will, oh God. The greatest discovery you could ever make is, God, what is your will for my life? Isn't there something down deep on the inside of you that says, God, I want to know what you have. God, why am I on planet Earth? Lord, why did you make me me? Why do I have my gifts and my abilities? And why have you given me my special circumstances? Do you know that God has been forming you and shaping you and gifting you all these years for a purpose? Don't you want to know why you're here? Yeah. 
Don't you want to know what it is that God has for you? You can know. You can know. But obedience is a matter of stewardship. Oh God, it's not my life that belongs to you. I lose my life. That I might find my life in you. Boy, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on in this little command. Son, that's relationship. Go work today in my vineyard. That's responsibility. I will not. That's rebellion. We are, now you might not say no to God verbally, but if you're not doing the things that God's called you to do, guess what you've said? No, God. Amen. Now you hide behind the fact that, that maybe you have a smile on in church. You hide behind the fact that maybe you know the Christian language and you know the Christian costumes to wear and you know what to say and where to go, but you're really not obeying God because he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. So let me ask you a question. I want to just nab into your life a little bit right now. What, what, what is that besetting sin in your life that you just constantly say no to God about? And sermon after sermon, and day after day, and month after month, and youth camp after youth camp, it seems like God always zeroes in on that same thing. Uh, you don't say it out loud, but you've said to God a million times, no, 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 I want, this is mine, you can't have. What is that? You know what that is? That's rebellion. You know what the Bible calls that kind of sin? The Bible calls that kind of sin presumptuous sin. You know what presumptuous sin is? The, the word in the Old Testament, Numbers 15, it literally means this, a high hand against God. It's God saying, do this, and us saying, nope. Talk to the hand. No. Nope. You say, well, Kurt, I would never wave my hand at God. I would never shake my fist. But you are. But you are. That's what, that's what the Bible teaches. So this uh, boy or this young man looked at his dad and said, no, I will not. See, his rebellion was not a matter of his head. Was there any part of what his dad told him to do that he didn't understand? Go, well, I, got, I know what that means. Work, I know what that means. Today, I know what that means. In my vineyard, I know where that is. You know, our problem with obedience is rarely not knowing what to do. You know, the fact is, we do know what to do. The fact is, we know very well what to do. So, uh, the, the problem was not up here. But watch this, the problem was not here. It wasn't that he was, uh, that he was uh, handicapped. It wasn't that he was suffering some kind of injury. It wasn't that he was physically disabled and couldn't do the work. No, the implication is clear. He's a young man. He's a, a hard-working man. There's no doubt he could have done the work. So the problem is not here. The problem is not here. Watch it, guys. The problem's here. This is always the problem. This is always the problem. It's your heart. The Bible says, with my whole heart I have sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable. Out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. If you have bitter ending and strife in your heart, glory not. Is thine heart right with God? David was a man for God's own heart. And God's looking for your heart. Is your heart right? And so what does the father say? The father says, listen, obey me. I have a job for you to do. I have a place for you to go. Oh, I will not. 
It was a matter of relationship, son. It was a matter of responsibility. Go work today in my vineyard. It was a matter of rebellion. I won't know. No. Have you ever seen a toddler in Walmart? Or even worse, on the airplane? And how obnoxious that is? How, how often in a situation like that do you want to just say, I can help you, right? But I wonder what we look like to God. You know what God does? God looks down and says, I can help you. Because we say the same thing. Relationship, responsibility, rebellion. But here's what I love about that first response. Repentance. Now look at it. Now look at it quickly. We're spending all of our time on the first one. We're going to move really quickly on the second one. Look at the end of verse number 30, uh, 29 again. So he answered and said, I will not. There's rebellion. But afterward, that's my favorite word in the whole story. That's my favorite word in the whole story. But afterward, he repented. He changed his mind. He thought bad, badly about it. He, he, he thought and gave it some uh, careful consideration, and he went and worked. So afterward, you know what I like about that word afterward? I like about that word afterward because at the, the word afterward, in my opinion, afterward means uh, oftentimes that's how we hear. Oftentimes in a message like this, you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, you know what? That boy was kind of cute that I saw up there. Thinking about maybe checking out his uh, Instagram page. That girl, ho, ho, ho. You know, guys are just kind of dumb. They think at that level. Ho, ho, ho. You know? And my message right now is like number nine on your list of priorities. But you know sometimes how we hear? Sometimes we hear afterward. Sometimes when, when God confronts us even with sin in our life, or sometimes God confronts us with something he wants us to do, and we just aren't... And we say no to God. We've all done it. I know I have. But sometimes afterward, like when no one else is around, like you're going to bed at night and you're thinking about it, and you're like, man, that was wrong. I shouldn't have. Have you ever done that? See, afterward, a lot of times, is how we hear. A lot of times we hear afterward. Like when it's all said and done, it's like, oh. You know, I've seen that. I've worked with teenagers now for, oh, my. The first teen camp I ever preached was 1991. So that was 32 years ago in New Hampshire. I preached at teen camp. So I've, and so from that day to this, I've loved teenagers. You know what I found, Brother John? I have found a lot of times in teen ministry, the kid that you thought was going to just tear the woods up serving God doesn't. And sometimes that kid that you just wanted to throw off the balcony, you know, and matter of fact, you probably did a couple times, like, he's serving God. You know why? Afterward. Afterward. And what I'm saying to some of you that have said no to God a lot, and you're here, that there is an afterward, and you can reconsider and today can be your day when you say, you know what, Pastor Skelly? God has been speaking to me. And I have been running. And I have been thinking about it. And I'm going to hear now. Because afterward sometimes is how we hear. But watch this. Not only is afterward how we hear, sometimes afterward is what gives us hope. 
Because if I were God, if I were God, like I just spoke and like things happened, like I said, let there be light, boom, you know, solar systems. I mean, if, if I were God and I came to measly little man and said, work for me, and measly little man said to God, no, I'd be like, you know, <laughs> like I'd come, I'd, I'd lightning bolt, I'd like do a worldwide flood just to get him. I mean, I'm just telling you. But do you ever think about this? God is so merciful. Why would God give anybody a second chance? Why would God give anyone another chance? But God does. And I just want you to know something. If you're here today and you're breathing, you say, well, Pastor Skelly, you don't know what I've done. You're right, I don't. And God does know. But I'm telling you, we serve an afterward God. And there's hope for you. There's hope for you to get your life right. There's hope for you to come back to Jesus. There's hope for you to get on the right. I'm telling you, because afterward often is the way we hear. Afterward often is what gives us hope. But watch this, lest you think, oh, oh, good. If afterward works, then I'm going to wait till afterward. You know, I'm going to have fun now and I'll wait five years. No, 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 because understand this third principle. Afterward is always harder. Afterward is always harder. Say, what do you mean by that? Okay, well, think about it, okay? Son, go work today in my vineyard. No. So he goes over here and plays video games for a while, and goes over here and hangs out for a while, goes over here, just kind of uh, rests for a while, and then he thinks, oh, man. I'm, I'm, I'm. He's right. I'm wrong. I'm convicted. I'm going to go work. Well, wait a minute. He's now got to do all that work. He wasted two hours. He wasted three hours. Now he's got to do eight hours work and five hours. Now he's got to do the work that would be easier to have done uh, at the morning time and the coolness of that Israel sun, but now he's got to do it in the hotness of the midday, right? What I'm saying is the way of the transgressor is what? Hard. It's hard, but it's not impossible. The way of the transgressor is hard. Yeah, it's going to be harder now. Got to make up for lost time now. You should have yesterday, but the best time to serve God is yesterday. Right. The second best time is today. The worst time is tomorrow. Yes, good. The best time to serve God is yesterday, but yesterday is gone. So the second best time is today. Amen. The worst time is tomorrow. Yeah, right. So just understand, hey, it might be harder, but you got to get started now. That's the first Response. Okay, now quickly. I mean quickly. Like in five minutes, let me explain the second one. Look at verse number 30. So he comes to the second. So we talked about the first response. He comes to the second, says the exact same thing. He says likewise. And he, the second son, said, yes, sir. And that must have made dad feel so good. Because he went to the first son and said, son, go work in my vineyard. No! Son, Go work in my vineyard. Yes, sir. See, sometimes to those of us that are human leaders, that's what fools us. Because we see compliant teenagers. They're like, oh, yeah, we love youth group, and we love church, and we love God, and we're in the program, but we don't see your heart. And the worst kind of rebellion, listen to me, the worst kind of rebellion is compliant rebellion. The worst kind of rebellion is a rebellion that looks like it's loving God and looks like it's serving God because you're in the Christian Witness Protection Program. 
And everyone thinks you're a Christian, but, but, but you're not. And everyone thinks you're right with God, but you're not. And you're struggling with that secret sin, and that secret rebellion, and that secret all that. And that was that second son. So what do I see about the second response right here in our text? Well, I see really three things. First of all, his, his response was respectful. His, yes, sir. It sounded good in the moment. And be careful of a Christianity that only sounds good. Be careful of an obedience that only sounds good. Because what happens is when you grow up in a little subculture that we call independent Baptist world, we know what to say. We know where to go. We know how to play the game. We're the actors on the stage. It's easy to fool people. So we know exactly what to say and when to say it. And so he's respectful. He's saying the right things. But saying things never made anyone a good Christian. If a man say, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. He that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Right? If a man say, thou hast faith, I have works, show me thy faith without thy works. I will show thee my faith by my works. Listen, we can blah, 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 blah. We can say whatever we want to say, but saying never made you a good anything. We're good sayers. So he was respectful. Not only was he respectful, number two, he was right. He was right. His dad said, go work. He said, yes, sir. That was the right answer. Is that the wrong answer? The wrong answer was his brother who said no. That was the wrong answer. No, the right thing to do is to say, Lord, I'm going to respond to you. In a few minutes, we'll give you an invitation. The right thing to do is come make a decision for the Lord. Whether here at the altar or in your seat, really didn't make a difference, but make a decision. That's the right thing to do. But it's not the only thing. It's just the beginning. It's respectful. It's right. But here's the insidious part of it. It's rebellious. This second son's response was rebellious because he told his dad what he knew his dad wanted to hear. But he didn't tell him the truth. Hey, how are you doing in your Christian life? Good. We do that all the time. We tell people what they want to hear. You're struggling with anything? No. No, I'm, I'm good. We tell people we're never honest. We don't tell people what's really in our heart. Anything, anything I pray for you about? No, no, I, I, I think I'm, I'm okay. We tell people, we get in the habit of telling people what they want to hear, and we go on in our life living in our private chains, our private depression, our private addiction, because we just have learned to tell people what they want to hear. And I'm sure that in that moment, he got his dad off his back. I'm sure in that moment, his dad walked away like, well, that's a good son. And sometimes that's the end-all, be-all for us. My parents think I'm okay. My youth pastor thinks I'm okay. My friend thinks I'm okay. I must be okay. Listen, it doesn't make a difference what they think. What does he know about you? Not what do they think. What does he know? And you can be as respectful and right as you want to be, but if you're telling people things just to tell them what they want to hear, you are living in rebellion. And at this point in the message, Jesus asked the question, so, what do you think? So I'm going to ask you the question that Jesus asked. So, 
What do you think? You know what they said? They said the right thing. They got the right answer. They said, we think the first guy was actually the obedient one. Because at least he went and did the work. And we think the second son, who gave the right answer, his yes didn't really mean yes. We think he's the rebellious one. And guess what? They were absolutely right. Who was right? The religious leaders that Jesus was rebuking. They were right. They, they got the answer right, but did they change? Now, now you got your Bible open. Look at the end of the chapter. I, I, I'm, I'm going to finish with this. Look, look at the end of the chapter. Were they right? They got the right answer. They, they were right. They, they understood the parable. They got an A on the Bible test. 100%. They even got the bonus answer. Now watch what happens at the end of chapter 21, verse number 45. End of the chapter. And when the chief priests and Pharisees, th those, are the, those are the audience members, when, when they had heard his parables, what, one of the parables was the one I just told you. There are four in this chapter. Jesus taught four stories. One of the four stories was the one you just heard. Watch it. When they heard his parables, they perceived that he spake of them. Oh, they knew he was not just giving a story. They knew he was preaching a message to them. Now watch verse 46. But when they sought to lay hands on him, oh. So what was their response? The response, watch this, watch this, watch this. The response wasn't, wasn't, oh Lord, we were wrong. Oh God, forgive us. We're going to get busy serving you. That wasn't their response. Their response was, we're going to get him. We're going to arrest Jesus. We're going to get rid of him. We don't want this mess. I'm out of here. I'm quitting this stupid church. Closing my Bible. I'm not listening. No, they got the right answer. But they made the wrong application. So somebody comes to David one day and says, David, let me tell you a story. See, there's this guy, and he's really, really rich. Matter of fact, he's so rich, he has so many sheep and herds. I mean, this guy is like mega rich. And his, his neighbor across the street is really, really poor. Matter of fact, he's so poor that he only owns one little lamb. And because he only owns one lamb, he kind of treats that little lamb like it's his own little pet. And one day, this traveler comes to town, and he wants to stay at the rich man's house. The rich man has all these sheep, and he's like, I'm not going to sacrifice one of my sheep. I'm going to go next door because I can, because I, 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 I have the power. I'm going to take that poor man's lamb. I'm going to kill that lamb and prepare that lamb for that traveler. So that's what the rich man does. David, this rich man takes that poor man's lamb, kills it, and serves it to that traveler. What do you think? You know what David says? Oh, I think he's wrong. I think he's wrong. Matter of fact, I think he's so wrong that I think he ought to be put to death. I think that he ought to repay fourfold. I think he ought to get the death penalty. Man, he's wrong. Now, was David right on that answer? Sure. David got the right answer. And then Nathan said, David... I'm talking about you. You're that guy. And here's Jesus saying, 
okay, here's this one son. And he said no, but then he said yes. Kind of like these publicans and harlots that you're making fun of who said no to God by their lifestyle, but then they heard the gospel and now they said yes. And you guys, you religious people that look so good, you act like you've said yes to God, but I know your life. And yes doesn't mean yes. So even though you heard the story and got the right answer, you didn't realize, hey guys, I'm talking about you. And can I just say this in closing? This message, I didn't fly all the way from Richmond, Virginia, layover in Atlanta, which is the worst airport on earth. I don't believe in purgatory, but if there were purgatory, it's Atlanta. <laughs> Flying to Tulsa, I'm gonna hustle out here in a few minutes and go all the way back home. I didn't come here to, to spin my wheels. I, I came here because I, I, I love a group of teenagers, and I mean that. I prayed ahead of this meeting. I didn't know who would be here, but I prayed for you. And I want you to know something. I didn't come here to preach this message. No, I came here to preach a message to you. That's, That's why I came, to you. It, this message was for you. And it was for you. You get that? It was for you. And I've tried in this message to look at all you in the eye to say this was for you, and for you, and for you. And I wish I could take time and look at all of you. Because all of us just got the right answer. But many of us are making the wrong application. What is it right now in your life that you've said no to God? Okay, afterward, make, that, make a better choice. Who's living a plastic, uh, dishonest, you know, facade, Life, down deep on the inside, you know you're just not what people think you are. Isn't today the day to just get that thing right? Isn't today the day to say, I'm done playing the game? Today, your father loves you, and he's asking you to come work in his vineyard. Would you start by giving him a real yes?